Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Natasha, welcome to Expansion Cast. So um, we are very recent friends, and um, I've been noticing things happening with a lot of people and not everybody. So it's like this um, point where something different is going on where people are experiencing this radiance of everything happening at once. And it feels much like uh, experiencing unconditional love in a different way than maybe that has ever been felt before. That's for me anyway. I can only speak from my experience. Um, However, I have had people telling me, like clients telling me that they've had random um, like upset stomachs, like nausea that ha- they've just unexplainable. And it's just been like this little odd thing that happens for like 20 seconds and it's done. And they're like, hmm. And it's all strangeness happening. <laughs> and so today we're doing the topic of love. Yes. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. And you have lots to say about love. And I want to know first, first, who are you? Like without all the, uh, the boxes and stereotypes and stuff, who are you at the center of you? Well, I'd like to think that I am love. (laughs) I, I would, I, I enjoy bathing in that idea. I, am right now in this physical body as a woman. I was born in Canada and I had the opportunity of having quite a turbulent childhood that really led me to be a traveler really young. So when I was 20, I left and it's been seven years and I haven't looked back. And on this journey, it's been a big priority for me to understand life and to understand healing and to understand what came down to love and to understand what is not love. And that's been a very key part of me being able to embrace life and enjoy life and to play with life. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? I I guess it answers an aspect of you, but um, let's find out who you are. (laughs) let's go deeper so what what isn't love well this is actually really interesting I wrote a book about this actually and I don't know how familiar you or the people that are listening to this are with the nervous system but what love is not is not a nervous system response to something that makes you feel resourced and helps you regulate your nervous system Love is not attention. It is not responsibility. It is not care. These are all things that we associate with love, but that are not love. So for myself in the way that I see it and the philosophies that I've studied and I practice, love is not something that 
can be given and or received necessarily. It's more of a state of being. Okay. So what is a state of being? Right. So a state of being from, from my perspective, and of course, I really want to make something super clear here that I don't think that I'm necessarily an expert in the topic. I do think that I'm an explorer and I'm sharing what, you know, I might think in five years, listening back at this, oh, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> but, but you've been in uh, Tantra and experiencing, you know, different things in life that are supposed to be saturated in love. Right. And that's where, for me, I've come to the current conclusion that love is really a state of oneness. It's more of a vibrational frequency. It's more of, a, you could even say a certain perspective than it is a thing. Mm -hmm. How do we get there? How do we get to this? Well, maybe we should talk about what is love versus what's unconditional love. Right. And this is a really interesting thing to bring up because to say that it's because we've misused the word love so much that we've come to separate love and unconditional love, where at the basis, there was no difference. That would be like saying there's fire and there's burning fire. Mm -hmm. By consequence, if there's fire, it's burning, right? However, we have love and then we have unconditional love. So we associate a lot unconditional love with with you know with spirituality with god with these much deeper things however unconditional love is actually very basic and is the only kind of love that really exists if not it's not really love mm -hmm. and in my opinion anyway i might be a little bit extremist in this way of thinking but uh yeah i think that caring attention um you know being pleased by someone's presence or feeling good about something. These are not love. These are, these can also be very high vibrational states to be in, right? Joy, ease, all of these really nice things, but I don't think they're necessarily love. Do you think that all the, all these states are happening all at once in love? I haven't really reflected upon that, but I would say that I think that when you're really in love, as much as these pleasant slash positive things are happening at the same time, so can the unpleasant slash negative things. And I think that's really how love is in its essence, unconditional. It's that you don't need joy and ease and, and pleasant sensations or emotions to be in love. Love is more than that, but it can ha be happening at the same time. Yes, but not necessarily. So it's not like a requirement of love to have all those things happening at the same time. Definitely not. Definitely not. If, if, if there is any requirement, then it's not unconditional, right? It becomes a condition and therefore just stops being love. But it feels like there is a requirement. There's got to be, there's like some sort of key that turns this unconditional love on. And, and the requirement is no requirement. This, yes, this is the, this is the irony of the duality. This is really how it is, is that when you get out of judgment, you're mm -hmm. kind of automatically into love and judgment is that separation. Love is that connection. So how do you access unconditional love? Are you in, are you feeling unconditional love right now? 
Mm, it does take me a little bit of consciousness to feel it. Um, if I just kind of close my eyes and go into my heart and I remind myself that I'm existing right now and that I'm actually not doing anything to deserve oxygen to go into my nose, into my lungs and to feed my body the most vital ingredient that it needs to continue striving. For me, that's how I go into unconditional love is realizing that I am here right now and there's nothing I need to do to be here. I just am. And that is the proof of unconditional love that brings me to my center, if we want to put it that way. And I think that's a deep understanding of this philosophy and this principle can really help one get into a state of unconditional love. So would you say that like this state overrides um, all these other love descriptors? Like um, I believe there are like eight types of love that uh, are floating around. Would you say that like this unconditional love that you're speaking of, like kind of trumps those or includes those types of love? Or do you think that those types of love, like I believe there's agape, um, then there's the love that you have for your family members. Those are all, do you think those are all different types of love than this unconditional love that you're speaking of? Yes, I would say that they're different in the sense that they can all be love. However, I don't think that they are the unconditional love that we speak of necessarily as we're talking about really transcending that duality and really going into this space of complete non-judgment. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that it trumps them either. I would say that it probably includes them. And I know this, it already sounds contradicting, right? And this is the, because in a way, from my perspective, I kind of have this, this thought or this belief, if we want to put it that way, quote unquote, that love is everything. Mm -hmm. So therefore it's, it, it can be those different kinds of loves. I would say that if you're still staying in the unconditional, if you're like, okay, the love that I have for my family is unconditional, then yes, it can be a certain kind of branch of love. Definitely. Yeah. And, and as I hear that, it's like, well, it seems, feels weird to say the love I have for my family is unconditional, but, but love has no, no um, trajectory. Like it, it's, it, I guess it has a trajectory, but it's everywhere all at once. So it's like, how do you say I have love for my family? I mean, I have appreciation for my family. I, you know, in an old term of love, I have love for my family, but I, if, if I love everything unconditionally, family is just included. Definitely. Right? Yeah. I think for me, when it comes to, if there's any condition to it, it's not love. Hmm. And that's also why if I say I have love for my family, then the condition for that love is that you have a family, right? So then it's, uh, imagine you don't have a family, then you can't have that love. So is it really love or it's an experience and this is where I think that you know some people will even say well you know a mother will love their their child more than themselves and I would disagree in the sense that a mother may have a greater feeling of responsibility 
may have a greater feeling of care or may have a greater duty towards a child than towards oneself. But I don't think that it's a greater love because I think that at the end of the day, when we are looking at love, because it's unconditional, because it is what it is, it's also immeasurable. We can't say, well, I love this more than I love that. Yeah. So it's like I take everything that's in my mind. Like if I'm sitting here with you, <clears throat> I I can feel unconditional love with you and with everything. But let, let's just like focus on you. So I can feel unconditional love with you. But to do that, I need to remove something that's in the way of feeling that. And generally, those are stories, right? I would sum it up to one word, and that would be judgment. Mm. So where, where would my judgments be of finding unconditional love for you? Depending on... Uh, depending on where you're from and what you've experienced. I mean, just the fact that I'm a man and you're a woman, you know what I mean? You could have, as you say, stories and judgments around women, you know, that like some beliefs or associations that would belong to a judgment or would portray a judgment or be connected to a judgment. And so <laughs> therefore just that simple, simple thing right here could already be such a trigger. Yeah, so everybody has their own their own um, pathway to experiencing unconditional love. So what what is it like for you out in the world walking around and experiencing unconditional love? For me right now where I'm at in my journey, it looks a lot like being in duality and by being conscious of that kind of getting out of it. So I'll notice that a judgment will come up out of, you know, reflex out of habit whatever and that right at the same moment that the judgment comes and i realize it's a judgment there will be a kind of surge of compassion there'll be a kind of surge of understanding and of empathy that will come and kind of argue that judgment mm -hmm. and then from that duality i'm able to just be like it is what it is it is now, it is here, therefore it deserves love. And I can, I bring this love to it because this is it. Mm -hmm. So that's how my experience is right now on a practical level. Right. And how about, so I, so I get that that's, that's what's happening internally, how you're able to um, negotiate the pieces that are coming forward that are preventing you from being in unconditional love. Now, how about, uh, do you feel that you're attracting different things? Like, do you feel that you're attracting maybe humans that need to experience unconditional love more than other people? Or are you, or are you attracting people that um, radiate the same frequency of unconditional love? Or maybe it's both, I don't know. Do you find a difference in what you're attracting? Hmm, an interesting question because I am a nomad. So things around me do change a lot. I would definitely say that I do, I do meet a lot of like-minded people, so to say. And where I think for myself that I see the most of attraction, that it actually, I can apparently see it in my life, 
is when it comes to moving to that next level of consciousness or understanding or philosophy or spirituality, I'll attract someone that's just right there perfectly at that moment to teach me something new. So often it'll be uh, a meditation teacher or it'll be a shaman or it'll be a coach or it'll be a yoga teacher. And right at the exact moment, I'll attract or I'll, I'll meet or somehow I'll come in contact with this person that's going to just help me bring this to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's where I've really seen an apparent, apparent uh, correlation or logical following. And I, and I noticed a lot of the archetypes you were speaking of are mostly teacher styles. But what about other people that maybe a homeless person, maybe an angry person, maybe somebody who feels vindictive or... Mm-hmm. I think that those people are definitely teachers in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that as confrontational things come to me, a little bit like as they say in Buddhism, right? That your enemies actually, you love them the most, right? Not even as even we said earlier, we're not really quantifying love, but because they're the ones that help you grow. Mm-hmm. And definitely, I think as I'm meeting these teacher archetypes, I'm also meeting the confrontation and shall it be people that come from my past that have either hurt me, quote unquote, or have somehow been a part of something that I directly correlate to something that's hurt me or people that I care for. And sort of be able to confront their existence and to be confronted by their existence more so. And to bring in that love, okay, that's a challenge right now, you know, we're like, okay, can I, can I look at, you know, a rapist? Can I look at a killer? And can I still have the love? Because mm-hmm. it's really easy when you're on your yoga mat meditating with the crystals to be feeling love, you know? <laughs> so I think that definitely as I move forward in the journey, the more deeply confronting things I'm faced with. Yeah, I like that. And I like the one thing you said is like being on the yoga mat with your crystal. And it's like the shirt I'm wearing. So I feel a lot of people right now would put love is light. Mm-hmm. And they'd only be open to those who have a high vibration. And instead of seeing, you know, the maybe the darkness as being part of love, it's like I have a story. Here's here's a story. So I'm in uh, shamanism training in the desert and the shaman, the first day I'm there, he, I, I'm sharing in a circle and he says something kind of, um, kind of rude and it triggers me into an old wound. So I sit there with it for the day and move through it, not that whole day, but you know, just going in and out and inside and seeing what it's bringing up. Second day sharing circle, he says something rude again while I'm sharing and I'm like, what is going on? Is he like upset with me? What's like, what is this thing? And, but, you know, and, but I know better. And I'm, so I'm, I sit with it. I'm said, this is me. This is about me. How, how is this affecting me? You know, what's it trying to say to me? And so uh, even some of the other people were starting to notice and ask me if said, you know, Roger, you should go talk to him, see what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, no, this is, I got it. This is me. This is all me. And, but I wasn't quite sure what it was trying to show me yet. So the third day, 
as I'm sharing in the circle, I'm sharing a dream, and he stops me in the middle of my share and says, see, you are useless. I was like, oh, burn me hard. And but but in that moment, my inner self just said, well, well, you know, the lesson here is how can you love this? So the question is, how was like, how can I love this? And as soon as I asked myself that and left it open, all of a sudden, everything shifted, and I could feel the love for him. And that was the purpose of his, you know, razzing me in such a harsh way was like, to show me, you know, how can I find the love in this? And I did. And it all changed. And it never, it never went back to him razzing me about anything. And after that, I like what I went into this unconditional state of unconditional love for like three continuous days. And like you said earlier, the thing that brought me out was judgment. And it was, it was, you know, hearing somebody else's judgment about other people. And I was like, oh, but I have those things within me. So it feels hurting when somebody else is judging somebody else that has aspects of me. So then it was like, kind of brought me out of unconditional love for that person. And then I just kind of fell and not completely fell apart, but it was long enough to, to, to keep me, to really get my body to know what unconditional love is and my senses. So now it's easier to access. And now mm-hmm. I have to access it. So well, that's my story. That's awesome. You got your unconditional love cherry pop. <laughs> <laughs> and what I think is really, really beautiful about your story that I, I'd like to speak to is how when this was happening, your questioning was around a how. How can I bring love to this? And this is where a lot of times we will spiral down out of love when we start asking the universe questions that are like, why? Well, why is he doing this to me? Why is this happening like this? Mm -hmm. Why can't he just, you know, leave me alone? And all of these (laughs) why, 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 a lot of times they're going to they're going to stop us from really seeing what is the lesson because the why is not really that important. It's more the how. And it's a little bit like what I was saying with my friend, as I, you know, I just got back to Canada. I've been in India for two and a half years and it's quite a shock to say the least for obvious reasons. I think anyone that's ever seen a video of Canada and a video of India can understand. (laughs) And so as we're speaking, I was saying to her, I'm like, I don't know what it is, but when I get to Canada, my stress response is really stronger. You know, I'll like, I feel it in my body. Now that I'm really aware of my nervous system, I'll understand that I'm getting like triggered in my sympathetic nervous system, like right away, like just this morning, she called me want to have breakfast. And that kind of like stressed me out. I felt my body reacting. And then we're kind of like, well, you know, we're kind of like going theorizing a little bit. Why? And then at one point I was like, it doesn't matter why, because the responsibility that I have towards this is the same, whether it's because of the country, whether it's because of me, whether it's because of X, Y, or Z, it doesn't really matter how I'm going to handle it. It's going to be the same anyway, because I'm going to handle it by, you know, going inward and regulating and, you know, whatever other tool or technique that I'm going to use. So I just wanted to, yeah, to speak to that. Cause I think it's something really, really, really valuable. Uh, coming back a little bit to how you said, how do you get into unconditional love? Well, 
just asking that question right here, right now, how can I be unconditional love right now? Oftentimes just asking that question will open up the whole space for you to go there. Yeah, it'll open up possibilities. I think that's what we need is the, you know, finding our own possibility. How, how each one of us probably has a different uh, restriction or limitation or way which we force ourselves to be sitting just outside of unconditional love, to feel safe, comfortable, but it's really not that comfortable. I mean, unconditional love is not an easy place to stay in. Uh, not for me anyway. It was, I mean, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. But it, for me, it's so different. I found it hard to stay in it for a long time because there's so many old programs that are trying to pull me out. Yes. And so uh, this India stuff, let, let's uh, speak to that because there's something happening. So you're like, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I really felt a calling to go to India and but I was stuck in this day job, et cetera. And I didn't, I didn't answer the call. And then suddenly like I started an Airbnb and I started getting guests from guess where India. <laughs> and I'm still getting guests from India. I just actually received a new guest from India last night. Wow. And hundred percent, hundred percent of the people I received from India in my Airbnb are absolutely the most loving people I come across. And, and all I want to do is hug them right away because they just emanate. They just, they're just sitting there completely open and happy with everything that's around them. No judgments. They just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This is beautiful, and et cetera. They're just so happy. And, and instantly want to help, you know, instantly want to show appreciation, instantly, like all these beautiful aspects of love show up with them. And it makes having an Airbnb be really easy. <laughs> so with that, I, I kind of want to know, or share, maybe share a story about love in India. Wow, I think that India in itself is a love story. Um, <laughs> I think that for, for what I think I can concretely give as an example of love in India is, oh my God, there's so many, but I think this one is really, really nice and beautiful, is the level of acceptance. And if ever anyone has heard and is familiar with uh, Hawkins' scale of vibration, he kind of associated different emotions with different vibrations. And as you go up the scale and you go into expanding vibrations, then you have, you know, like acceptance, neutrality, willingness that are kind of like at the, at the base of that expansion. And it goes up into joy and love and enlightenment. So I feel that in India, there is such a high level of acceptance for a lot of things. And this is, again, there is a duality there. Sometimes there's so much tolerance that it can be detrimental, but as a general, this level of acceptance is so beautiful that you'll even go to, they call it a Daba. And it's basically 
not quite street food, but not quite a restaurant. So it's kind of like those in-between places where you can go and get like a good meal that you're not paying too expensive, but it's relatively clean. And when you go to pay, you're, you'll be at the cash register and there's going to be a picture of Jesus and there's going to be a picture of Krishna. And then there's going to be like uh, something written from the Quran, like in like Arabic. And there's just, you're, you're going to see all of the religions possible. You're going to even have like a little Buddha there, you know, mm. all of just at the cash register. They've got this little tiny space where they have their little altar and you've got all of the religions there and they don't, they're, they're like, whatever. You know, and this level of acceptance, I think for me is such a demonstration of love. And I think it's really, really beautiful. So I think that's the one that really got me the most. Mm. Was this yeah, a little bit like, a, is this kind of what you were expecting as an answer or? Well, I'm not expecting anything. Nice. <laughs> open, open to whatever's arriving. And um, so it's interesting because uh, that you say that because I did have somebody from India stay here who is a priest, uh, absolutely a beautiful human being. And he was open to actually a lot of stuff I did. Like, he's like, oh, you could give me an energy healing if you like. I'm like, okay. So I gave him an energy healing and he was very happy with that. And then he was like, noticed that I had um, like tarot cards and different things. So he asked for a reading to see what that was like. And he just experienced my whole, um, he wanted to experience my experience, how, you know, how I experienced spirituality. And, you know, that was beautiful. And, and he talked a lot about, um, he didn't care what religion you were in or what spiritual dogma you spoke, that mm -hmm. uh, it was all beautiful as long as you, um, as long as you were kind to people, as long as you, showed love you know and and didn't um chastise others for being different mm -hmm. celebrate the differences and this is something that i think is very unique to india i haven't obviously been everywhere in the world but from what i've heard and i've understood and for myself this is definitely Definitely. And I mean, this isn't limited even to public places. I spoke about the Daba, but I've even been to people's homes where I've seen the same phenomenon, mm. where you have a picture of Jesus and a picture of a, of a Hindu God and then like a picture of something else. And it's just that people are, they can really embrace this philosophy. And it's a very loving culture too. It's, it comes with its, uh, <laughs> with its own set of, um, how to say collateral damage, if you want to put it that way, where, you know, a lot of people can experience over responsibility, you know, like a lot of times with your family members or with friends, even, you know, there's a lot of expectations and stuff like that because it's such a loving culture. But at the end of the day, I feel like people still like that. <laughs> like they pretend it's so funny, you know, like uh, they pretend that they don't like it when their mom calls them all the time. But at the end of the day, they love it. They're like, you know, mom calls twice a day and they think it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So um, where do you feel like going from here? Like what, what do you feel is like the most important thing to share about unconditional love? I think that for myself, if I really want to communicate something about love to people, it's that it's a journey and it's not easy and 
I think the key factor that a lot of people are missing when it comes to experiencing love and getting to this state, so to say, it takes pain. It takes being okay with pain. Yeah. It takes really, really, really sitting with pain and sitting with your own pain. And, and it really takes another level of consciousness and of awareness. And the way to get there is by accepting what is beautiful and what is ugly at the same time and loving everything. And this can be super painful and it's not easy. And if you're in this journey right now and you're literally thinking to yourself, am I going crazy? Is this worth it? You know, and there's been times where I've been, I've been there like literally crying, literally. I feel like my chest is like exploding and I'm like, is this shit even worth it? (laughs) And the answer is yes, it totally is. Anyway, from what I've experienced in my life, I would say it's totally, totally worth it. But don't expect it to be like cotton candy and rainbows the whole way. Well, come on. Can it be? <laughs> well, it's your perspective at the end of the day. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, so, so speaking of that, I've noticed um, following you a little bit on social media, I've seen like some horrifically terrible comments um, under your postings. And I was like, wow, how did she deal with that? Like, how, how do you show up in unconditional love with those, those comments? I'm really surprised. I'm still surprised I see those comments. It like blows my mind. I'm like, this is one of the most loving people I've ever uh, come across or met. And people are like hating you in ways that I can't even speak to. Yes. And I think that as we were speaking about earlier, when I'm, we were saying that the confrontation are the biggest, best teachers. And I'm so honored that I'm able to live this experience because it allowed me to embody this principle uh, practically. And for me to realize, okay, this isn't just like hippie, you know, like blah, 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 that I'm just saying in my mind, and I'm off the mat and I'm in real life and this is happening. And I'm even surprised myself at how I'm even able to, you know, respond to this. And it's a beautiful thing because I'm still learning. And my, my logic behind it is really that I've come to understand that every victim is just a victim of a victim. And every prosecutor is just actually a victim. So (laughs) So it's just this, this continuous circle, this continuous kind of actions that you're just, you're, people are often just the, the, the result of their environment. And so I, I, what, what triggered this to give people a context is that I shared something that was very vulnerable and was a little bit controversial. I can understand going back and reading. I'm like, okay, I can understand how you can interpret it in a different way. But the main thing was is that it was very, very vulnerable. And I'm under the impression that most people grew up in a household where when you were vulnerable, you were shut down. Mm-hmm. And so the normal reaction for people 
is to judge and to want to shut down. And especially when they were not given that right, somehow there needs to be a justification. So all of that to say that when I look at this from a very logical point of view, as I observe humanity and I don't identify with it that much. And I know that whatever anyone is expressing underneath one of my posts or to me, isn't actually to me because I'm, I'm actually nothing, right? They don't know me. They don't know where I'm from. They don't know anything about me. And a lot of it is very superficial. A lot of it has to do with, some of it has to do with my skin color. Some of it has to do with the fact that I'm from Canada. Some of it has to do with the fact that I've got dread. Some of it, so many different things that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm like, it doesn't even concern me, right? So... I think that's really how I've been able to come into the love that and then knowing that at the end of the day, God or the universe or oxygen, as I like to kind of bring it down to is still loves me. Mm-hmm. Oxygen isn't going to stop going through my, my body and my lungs because, because someone, you know, it, it doesn't agree with my opinion or whatever it might be. So I'm still loved. And Sometimes this really, really helps me because I will not to say I wasn't affected by it at all, you know, but even if I get in a, let's say a lower vibration or a lesser happy mood, or, you know, I'm feeling heavy and lethargic and sad or whatever. And then I just think I'm like, man, I'm unconditionally loved. And I don't need to associate that love to anything or anyone. I just know it. And that will, that will just allow me to face anything in life, honestly. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent. So a lot, lot, a lot of the things you were speaking to about um, about the comments and how you uh, come to loving the person is through seeing what points they're reacting from, like reacting from an old victim or an old predator. I mean, same. They they sit in the same triangle. And they feed off of each other. So seeing the old wounding coming through and and commenting on your posts, that's kind of what you're saying is that's what you're seeing. And it 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 doesn't come as an attack on your ability to love. It comes on a on on a an 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 attack that is unfounded in a way. Definitely. And one thing that as you, as you started speaking, another thing that came to my mind about this is I had this very logical thought at one point where there was this one person that I really didn't like. He had been in a relationship with one of my friends and I felt like he ruined like some good things and blah, 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 whatever. I had a lot of negative emotions towards this person. And then I kept on re-seeing this person. I was staying in Goa and, you know, life's great in Goa. You're on the beach or in India. And then this person kept on showing up in the cafes where I would be at. And then I would get triggered by him and I'd get triggered and I keep on getting triggered. And then at one point I was a lot in this hate and this negativity. And I was like, oh, I wish that, you know, this bad thing would happen to them and this bad thing would happen to them. And then I thought to myself, but wait, if bad things keep on happening to this person, then he's just going to stay bad. Mm-hmm. What if I wish for him to have good things happen to him so he can change and become a good person? Already, these thoughts are very judgmental and very, you know, good and bad. 
However, this kind of being in this duality allowed me to really understand, okay, this is the logic behind giving love unconditionally is that if I wish bad things to him, he's just going to continue being bad, right? He'll never learn. He'll never change. So I really, I'm like, and at that moment, it really switched for me. I was like, I hope beautiful things happen to him. I really hope that beautiful people come into his life. I really hope that he can experience love and beauty and compassion. And I really hope that so many beautiful things happen to him. And I was like, okay, this is the whole like Jesus turn your other cheek thing. I'm like, okay, it's all starting to make sense. So I think this is also that moment, him being my teacher was also why I probably got into the situation where I have a whole bunch of people on Facebook because I was, that was like a level one. Now this is like the level two. (laughs) So that logic also helps a lot. So um, I have something to say about that. (laughs) Please. And here's what I feel is like to, to be in that space of true unconditional love. There's no, there's no judgment of good or bad. So the desire to uh, wish better for somebody is not much different than the desire to wish hate for somebody because the desire to wish something better is trying to make a condition that um, you don't love them for how they're showing up. You don't love what is showing up. And I feel that everything that's showing up for you, for me, for all of us is showing up absolutely perfectly. So how can we be in that moment and, and see that person as divine and love that person for how they show up? And then from my experience, just loving that person unconditionally, they change without wishing them to change, without uh, having some, some you know, hidden desire that we're uncomfortable with how they're approaching us or, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, from my experience, it's just like, hmm, I don't know any better, but how can I just unconditionally love this human? And it's like somebody looking at you with judgment about dreads. Well, maybe they just need to, oh, how can I unconditionally love this person? Because that comes without judgment. I don't want you to change your dreads. I don't want you to do anything different about how you show up. I just want to be different in how I show up so that when I show up with you, I can experience you fully. I can experience the love love that you have and I can experience my love. Definitely. And that's why I was, um, that's why I wanted to bring this up in the sense that getting to the state of love is, anyway, for me, it's been a journey where sometimes you're in this duality before you can reach this actual state of love. Mm -hmm. It's not like you can just jump into the pool of love and be like, all right, I'm bathing in it. So for me, it's taken quite a bit of these moments of these confrontations of this duality of this, you know, okay, how can I logically go through this as well? So this has Mm -hmm. been where I can get to a state where it's like, okay, well now, now I don't have to wish good or bad things to someone. I can, as you say, show up, but this has been yeah, this has been after these kinds of dualistic experiences that I'm really able to go into the the non-dual existence of real, pure, true, unconditional love. 
I wonder if some people are actually wondering what non-dual is right now. Maybe. Maybe. It depends. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Do you want to give a quick explanation of what non-dual is versus duality or put it all yeah. in terms? The way that I see it is that non-dualism is seeing everything as one, as connected. And when it comes down to a more spiritual way of looking at it, if you have a religion that sees you as something and God as something, then this is very dualistic because then there is a separation between you and God as, let's say, a figure of authority or parental figure or something like that. And then when you start seeing life as God, and just the fact that the sun comes up and the sun goes down and there's oxygen in the atmosphere, and this all holds together by some weird force that's the same force that keeps your skin together and your cells and everything. This force that is also you are part of, that is you in a way, that is everything, this is non-dual. Mm -hmm. So you stop seeing that separation of you and life and you start seeing everything as an interconnected little bit more of a quantum point of view versus what we could say is the more linear or Newtonian point of view where things are separated and mechanical. Yeah, hundred percent. What would your definition be? <laughs> My de definition of uh, non-dual, hmm. I would say, let's see what, let's see what comes out of my mouth. Uh, my definition is that everything is part of the same energy and, and how that energy manifests and moves and flows has an intelligence. And that intelligence is the thing that is non-dual. That is the thing that's the creator. And that thing is in all of us. It's in everything. And I feel like we're opening up to vaster um, experiences of non-duality. And there's a couple movies recently that talk about experiencing everything all at once. And I feel like the true experience of non-duality is experiencing everything all at once. And experiencing everything all at once is much like unconditional love. And maybe it is unconditional love. I think that's how I describe it today anyway. That's how it's arriving anyway out of my mouth. Amazing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that on so many levels. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have? What, anything else arriving for you today? Uh, I think that for me at this point, I'd like to just maybe brain, brain challenge or bring in some practical thoughts for people. And that's to really, it's, it's really, I guess this is part of my, my, my personality as well. I have a, a naturally confronting personality and that's why I'd like to maybe finish off or at least to have this invitation and encouragement to, to really 
to really practice unconditional love just in your own mind. So to ask yourself, like, you know, can I love a murderer? Mm-hmm. Can I love that person that passed on the news the other day that was responsible for this XYZ shooting or whatever happened? Can I love that person? You know, mm-hmm. can I love the head of, you know, some oil company that's, you know, like spreading oil on ducks or whatever, you know, you might see that might trigger you that you don't like, Mm -hmm. can I love that person? And this very difficult step is, is really, really a practical way to start confronting yourself to unconditional love. And it's easy because then that person or that thing normally isn't in front of you. And then, so when it comes to someone that is, or something that is in front of you, then you've already got that practice because it's kind of like there is the unconditional love muscle that you kind of uh, that you kind of go through. So I think that just this open invitation to find that out and also practically when I was doing my vipassana and I felt like an explosion of unconditional love was when I was meditating and all right, guilty as charged. I was not doing the Vipassana technique. I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> I was going to do my own thing, chakra healing, all that. So I was at the heart chakra and I sat down with myself and everything that I could imagine was the most judgmental worthy things. I would put them in a sentence with myself and I would say, even if I leave this Vipassana and I end up raping children, I love myself anyway. And to be in a meditative state and to repeat these kinds of affirmations to myself concerning myself was really, 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 really powerful because it allowed me to really break through lots of boundaries of judgments and programming and to get into more unconditional love. So if this is a practice that you also want to try, I really invite you. It's challenging. It can be fun. I'd say to really be in a good space. Like I was in a Vipassana, you're in a silent meditation retreat, you know, you're in a very safe place. So I wouldn't necessarily say to practically, uh, experience this or to try it out. If you're, if you're not in a really good space, cause it can be really triggering, but to take these things, one of the ones for me was if I end up like my mother, you know, mm-hmm. that's a really big judgment I have. So even if I end up like my mother, I love myself anyway. You know, and so to practice these kinds of sentences are also really, 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 really powerful. So I just wanted to, yeah, maybe share some more practical things for people to actually apply and play around with. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. I actually had that experience with my mom just recently because I was, oh man, my, my history with her is not good at all. And I went to visit her and I still, I continue to visit her as much as I can. She lives in another province over, but I just went to visit her with all this new unconditional love information within my cells. And I sat with her and she was doing the things she does that triggers me. And I, I just said, and I could feel my whole body just starting to get triggered. I'm like, whoa, back off, back off. How can I love this? And I just waited and all of a sudden it was like, it was like it was gone. The trigger was gone, and she was just speaking words have nothing to do with me. And I started to feel uh, compassion, love for her, and I and I started to feel love for everything. And it was beautiful. And 
the time I spent with her was beautiful and it was loving. And we actually talked about things we hadn't talked about ever, like how we explored life, how we love life, the things that we felt resistance toward. And I found that I have a lot in common with her, which I never knew because I had so much resistance around her before. So it's a great exercise to do. You know, and I, I hope that everybody tries it. Definitely, definitely. And I want to bring it back down to the practical. When you're able to apply this in your life, your life becomes freaking easier, more fun, more joy. You don't get triggered so much. You don't, you know, spend your days angry at, you know, something that happened at your work or something that happened in your household or something that happened on TV or, you know, you become in a certain way immune to life you become, you know, really easier to just live. I don't know how to really put words on this, but I want to, I want to portray that this isn't just fluff. Mm -hmm. This isn't just like, oh, like, oh, like, oh yeah, unconditional love. No, no, this is actually really practical. This is like, if, if we were taught this, you know, when when it when in school or when it comes time to raise a family or when it comes time to communicate with your spouse or your boss or with anyone these things are really 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 going to improve your quality of life and the sensations and the emotions that you're going to be living on a daily basis and when it comes time to live something quite tragic and dramatic like a death or you know a loss of something or X, Y, Z that's going to happen because it's going to happen to everyone. Any kind of trauma, it's, it's almost bound to happen in your life. When those things do happen, you're going to be equipped for it. So yeah, bringing it back to earth, bringing it back to here, this solid ground. Mm-hmm. Unconditional love is probably the most practical tool to, to get through just about anything in life. Maybe it's all you need. Maybe it's all everybody needs. It sounds so cliche, but until you experience it, you don't know. Exactly. <laughs> who's the who's the songwriter? Love is all you need. Who did that? I don't know, but I'd like to meet that person. I, I feel like it's the Beatles, but I don't I don't know. I don't oh, know. <laughs> probably was. Yeah, but I, that song could have been wrote because of a lot of peyote or candy. <laughs> But peyote is like an entrance to the heart. So, mm-hmm. so I've heard that um, a lot of musicians from back then wrote while they were using peyote. Writing I wouldn't be songs. surprised. And there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of really practical tools uh, as well for like the first place to start. I think for love is definitely towards the self. Um, it can be the most confronting place and it's the it's the most rewarding and Louise Hay is an author that I I don't know do you know about Louise Hay Roger yeah 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 yeah. oh perfect I figured you would her book uh you can heal your life is pretty much all about unconditional love and I think that she is a very practical very easy to understand very loving yet confronting figure uh to start out with so if ever you're wondering how can I practically get into unconditional love, I think that looking up Louise Hay as well and her writing can can be of a good help. Well, I think how people should find their path to unconditional love is by connecting with you or me 
and uh -huh. doing a coaching session or like a you know a three month coaching package because honestly and it, I mean it sounds like I'm trying to plug you both of us but it's taken me a long time to get here and I still got work to do and I I think working with somebody who is there it, it I can it can speed up the process hopefully definitely if it wasn't for my coaches oh my gosh where would I be today where would I be today yeah Wow. Right here. You might be right here, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. I, I I don't know. I think there's another quantum reality where I didn't meet my coach or coaches and where right now I'm probably really overweight, drunk, and poor. So <laughs> who is what? Like I could see that as one of the life paths in the direction I was going to. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> Sounds like a judgment of aspect of yourself that could have been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not going to sit here and, and pretend that I have it all figured out. No, nope, there's definitely lots of judgment left to clear out. And I'm grateful that you've just brought that up for me. Thank you. <laughs> so we've talked about love. We've talked about a lot of other things. A little bit about India and unconditional love in that place. And um, here we are at the end of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it feels like the end. I feel like, and it also feels like I could keep talking about this for a long time. So do you have any uh, anything you want to add around how the people can contact you? I think the best means uh, is definitely on social media because being a nomad, my phone number changes all the time. So um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as Natasa Jolinas. And I'm on Instagram as natasa.alternative.lifestyle. Hmm. And I'm sure that here we can... Um, we can link it anywhere, those things for you guys, but that's really the best way. Reach out to me. I do check all of my messages and yeah, I would love to be in contact with anyone that wants to talk about this. And as Roger mentioned, I am a coach. Roger's a coach as well. And for myself, I, if you want to connect and you know, you're not interested in doing any coaching, that's also totally fine. I also do yoga lessons and meditation classes. And I try to keep it at a really affordable price so that everyone can have access to it. And it's not just like a fancy yuppie kind of thing. It's really practical tools. <laughs> so I really invite anyone to just reach out and I'm really looking forward to getting in contact. Cool. Okay. Thank you for joining. Well, thank you so much, Roger. I really appreciate it. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.